and welcome each other here. Welcome. So good to be here together, isn't it? Uh, this morning, Pastor Rob was talking about uh, getting prepared, getting ready so you can effectively minister for Jesus. And he read out Hebrews 6, uh, 6 verse 9. We are confident that you are meant for better things, things that come with salvation. There's hope in Jesus. We are a people with a destiny and a hope and a purpose, and it is good. And that's who we are as followers of Jesus. And um, I've entitled tonight's message, The Next Step, What Holds You Back? Because God is calling us onto that next step. And I, I've identified in my own life at least two things or two key areas that hold me back at times when Jesus is calling me on to take that next step. So I want to share those with you tonight. One is, um, these are the barriers. One is that our lives get so filled up with other things. It's like we're carrying so many things that when Jesus says, come to this next place, we, we, we just physically can't. We have too much on our plate. There's just too much stuff. We're burdened down by so much stuff that we're carrying. Uh, and the second is when we get burnt out or worn out or drained or maybe hurt or offended and we withdraw, we run away. And I'm going to talk about those two things tonight. We've had some, so my name's Kylie, I'm part of the team. We've had some big decisions to make in my family over the last couple of months. And they are decisions that go against the grain against the cult, well, society, against conventional wisdom. So they've been really big decisions. And as I've been talking with uh, Pauline, Pastor Pauline, over the past few months about it, she just keeps saying, Kylie, get a word from God. Just get a word from God. Nothing else. She's given me no other advice. Get a word from God. Then when hard times come, you'll be able to stand on that word and go, I know that God's called me to this. So um, if you are... Uh, new to church or you're not a Christian or maybe you're from another church and you've never really heard of like get a word from God. What does that mean? Um, I'm talking about asking God to confirm what he's saying or what I reckon he's saying with a Bible verse. And um, that's because as Christians, as followers of Jesus, this is not just a historical document. The Bible isn't just a set of rules. This is actually what we believe is how God speaks to us. Um, and we don't read the Bible like, oh, here's some old stuff that happened to some old dead people a long time ago. We read it as in God who created the universe, everything. God who created me wants to speak with me today, and I want to hear from him. Open my heart, God, and speak to me off these pages. Because even though the Bible, the Scriptures, the Word of God was written by men in words on papyrus or whatever, eventually paper, thousands of years ago or hundreds of thousands of years ago, we believe that God has breathed his spirit into it and it's actually alive. So Pauline's telling me, get a word from God. So I'm 
praying, you know, for ages and scanning. And what I'm hoping will happen is that on the very first day, a Bible verse will jump out at me and I'll know what to do. Anyway, months later, I'm still scanning away. I know, it was frustrating for me too. Um, Months later, I'm still scanning away and uh, I just read this verse. I'm going to share it with you tonight. I won't share it just yet because it seems so random out of context that you'll be like, what? I'm going to, I read this and all of a sudden, it just kind of sunk into my heart and all the puzzle pieces in my mind just kind of clicked all together and I knew that God was speaking to me and what he's been saying and what I believe he's saying to us as well is just know the one thing that God asks of you and do that. He was telling me, don't worry about everything else or who told you to do all that stuff in the first place? I never did. Just find out what God wants of you and then do that one good thing. Have you ever noticed in, um, well, I don't know if it's just me, since I'm from New Zealand, it was pretty much the same in New Zealand, uh, in Australian culture, maybe it's just, I don't know, Western society, it's in our own minds as well, that we sort of think that there's a way to live, you know, there's just particular goals that should be kicked, there's ships that should be caught, what do they say, don't miss the boat, there's boats that have to be caught, Um, there's a way that we're meant to live, there's a way we're meant to respond. When life hits us full on in the face, there's there's a particular way that's acceptable to respond. Is that just me, or do you sort of know what I mean by that? Yeah, there's kind of these unspoken rules that we're meant to follow to fit into the mould somehow that society gives us. Um, And most of the time, most of us move through life uh, obeying these ideas or rules. We just unthinkingly wander through our lives, don't we? But the Word of God tells us in Ephesians 5, (laughs) something happened there, Uh, don't live carelessly, unthinkingly, make sure you understand what the Master wants. This is referring to Jesus. Don't just wander through your life unthinkingly, make sure you know what Jesus wants from you and then do that. So we can end up following all these ideas and we end up piling our plates so full that when God actually asks something of us, we're too, plates too full, Lord, sorry. I can't fit it in. Uh, I can't even, I can't handle all the stuff I got right now. So we miss out on taking that next step with Jesus. When my daughter Nikita was little, hand up Nikita, yep. When she was little, she has a pile of stuff under her chair right now. But uh, when she was like, um, you know, learning to walk, so one and two, and I would be with her and then I would move into the very next room. She would have to come with me. Uh, And she would want to carry her blankie, her three books, several toys, the juice bottle, the platter crackers, everything. And she would go through this process every single time. So I'd move into the next room. Come on, honey, we'll go get whatever in the kitchen. And she's picking one thing up and dropping two and picking another one up and dropping another one. And she would do that every single time we moved, literally from room to room. Screaming occurred. Uh, There was this massive frustration. She just had too much stuff. When I'd say, come over here, too much stuff. She's just taking everything and dropping everything. And she wasn't able normally to bring the one thing that I would say, bring your blankie. 
and uh, she would be dropping that as well. And I think that um, this is what God is saying to, our, to us. When it's time for us to take the next step, are, you, are your arms so full? Is your life so full? Is your heart so full that you don't have room to follow Jesus into that next step or that next season? In the Old Testament, in the Bible... In the Old Testament, the time before Jesus came, uh, the temple was the absolute pinnacle of the Jewish life. So the temple uh, is not like churches. There was only one temple. Here there's a church on every corner and just behind the one on the corner as well. So uh, in, the, in the Jewish community, there was one temple and they uh, made it under King Solomon and it was where, they, where the Ark of the Covenant was. That was where God resided for the people. That's where the prayers and the sacrifices happened, um, just this one t- temple. And it was also their pride and joy. It was, look, covered in gold, and it was their pride and joy. This is what kept them together and provided, ta-da, we're the Jews, here's our temple, the pride and joy. Um, but the temple was destroyed. It was actually destroyed, and then they built another one, and then that got destroyed too. So there literally is no actual temple now. There are synagogues around the place, but that's not the same as a temple, which is why we don't have Jewish people, you know, cutting up bulls and doves and things like that, because there is no temple to do it in. So the very first temple, when it was destroyed, if you want to write down some of the Bible verses, I no longer have control of my clicker. So if we go through, keep going, keep going. Keep going. That one. If you wanted to write down some of the Bible, it says 2 Kings 25, verse 1 to 2, and 2 Chronicles, Chronicles 36, 6 to 21, describe the destruction of the temple. The Babylonians came, they sieged Jerusalem, they sieged uh, the people in the temple, and um, uh, the people were so worn down by famine and by war and all this disunity politically that eventually the walls were broken down and then uh, the temple was destroyed and they carried off all the items from the temple and they killed the king and the people who tried to run away and then they separated all the people and dispersed them all around the land. So that destruction happened on the seventh day of the fifth month and it finished, it started then and it finished on the ninth day of the fifth month. And so it isn't clear in the Bible. So from that, they then had 70 years of exile. You know that song, Bonium song, By the Rivers of Babylon? That's from that very verse there. When they were in exile from the Babylonians who had destroyed their temple and destroyed their community. So um, did anyone want a fuller version or you know the one I'm talking about? Yep. (laughs) I've got the microphone. I will do it. So, So while they're in exile... The Bible doesn't say how it started, but they started to do a fast, a special fast, a special solemn day in the fifth month, again in the seventh month and the tenth month of the year to commemorate uh, the events that happened leading up to the destruction of the temple and then the destruction of the temple. And it was meant to be this really sad day. In the Message Bible, it says they sobbed and mourned. Um, And in fact, they continue to have these fasts today. Uh, But if you wanted to read more about that, there's in the books of Ezra, Haggai and Zechariah, we read about 70 years later, now prophesied, the people are back together and they're building the temple again. 
So we come to the point where they're building the second temple. Hooray! And they're preparing. <laughs> Their pride and joy is about to come back. And they're looking at the calendar and they're like, well, do we have to still do that fast on the fifth month and then the seventh month and the tenth month? And they feel confused because they won't have um, the energy to do the fasts and do the building. So they're saying, God, why have you, are you telling us to do the fast where we sob and we'd be really sad about the destruction of the temple? And at the same time, we're meant to be happy and joyously working to build the new temple. How are we meant to do these two things? So they go to the priests and the people. Just go back a bit. Keep going. One more. Yep, that one. In Zechariah 7, 2, 3, they ask the religious leaders of the, of the house and the Lord of all, so they get the priests to go to Zechariah and to ask him, should we cry and sob and go without food in the fifth month as we've done these many years? In one of the translations it said, for this traditional fast that they made up themselves? And that's a really good question to ask yourself, this concept. If you feel like God's asking you to take a next step, to step into a new area in your life, to step into a new area of ministry, and your first response is, how the heck am I meant to do that, God? My plate is too full. How am I meant to add that? Are you really asking me to do this and all these other things? I, my arms are full, my life is burdened, I'm already up to here with jobs to do. How can you ask me to do this job? If that's our first kind of response, when God is saying, come take this next step, then we should be like the Israelite people and take that question genuinely to God and say, God, what, what do you want us to do? And this is God's response. In Zechariah 7.5, just after they ask the question, God responds through Zechariah. God says, say to them, you sobbed and fasted in the fifth and seventh months and you did it for the past 70 years, but did you really do that for me? Another translation says, who were you fasting for? Because God never asked them to. God never placed that burden on the people. God never asked them to do that at all. So they were filling their lives up with these things and thinking that they were, you know, responding to God. This is what God wants of us. And that became a barrier or a burden for them to actually do the one thing that God was asking of them. You know, I can bring this right back down to my real life. Uh, because when I was a young married woman, 15 years ago, um, I actually I had a baby or two, so I must have been... 10 years ago or something like that. So when I had my second baby, uh, Mike would, my husband Mike would come home and I would have spent all day, um, you know, cleaning the house back in the day, cleaning the house and doing his washing and doing his folding and putting his clothes away and making it all spick and span and doing all the cleaning and, and making nice food for him. And I was really, really tired by the time he would get home. And then I would probably be a little bit grumpy. I know, I'm over that now, but I was at the time. And he and I were always fighting. 
And he would say, oh, basically, he was saying, you know, you're never available to me. You're not really showing me that you love me. And I'm thinking, I'm showing you all the live long day long that I love you because I'm doing your washing and I'm putting it away and I'm folding. I may have even ironed something. There's cleaning. There was mopping going on. I'm looking after your children. And it became a massive bone of contention in our uh, marriage until one day he, he really made it clear. He said, who asked you to do that stuff? I never asked you to do that stuff. I never. I don't care if you cook me dinner. I don't care if you do the laundry. This was the beginning of the end, you know. Uh, I don't care if you keep the house clean. What I want from you is that when I come home, you spend time with me. That's all he wanted. That's all he was asking for, that we'd be able to spend time together. So I was doing all this stuff, all this busy work, and I was tired, and it was wearing me out. And he was saying, but you're doing all that stuff, which is not bad, but you don't have enough left over to do the one thing which I have asked you, the one worthwhile, the one good thing. That's what was going on with the Israelite people. They were so busy doing all this stuff, spiritual stuff, they thought, that God wanted and God's going to be pleased with doing all this stuff for him. And they didn't have it in them. They didn't have the space in their lives or their hearts to do the one thing God was asking of them. God's asking some of us to take the next step. God's opening doors all over the Air Peninsula into ministry. And God's opening doors just in your own lives to, to speak to people, to be an effective witness for Jesus in your lives. And we won't have the capacity to do that if our arms are so filled, if we're so burdened down by what we think we should be doing. That tonight I want to give you a chance to just lay it all before God. What does wear you out, what does drain you, what is a burden to you in your life, let's bring that to the Holy Spirit tonight and just let him say, is there anything there that he would say, who are you doing that for? I never asked you to do that. This is the one thing I'm asking of you. In the Old Testament, I can't remember where it is, somewhere in Chronicles maybe, they talk about um, Pastor Rob's mentioned it several times where they have, um, you know, just boring long lists of uh, this person got to carry this item, this person got to carry this item, this person got to carry this item. I always used to look at that and be like, why did someone have to document every single thing that was being written and taken and itemized? And, and it says that, like, if you carry the wrong thing or you're touching the wrong thing or you're carrying something that someone belongs to someone else, then, you know, you're out or you're dead or you're punished. And it seems extremely severe when someone's just trying to help do the washing up. But we take the physical uh, illustrations or the physical things that happen in the Old Testament and we um, can gain spiritual insights from them. And we can use that and look at it and say, spiritually, are you carrying burdens that God has not given you that aren't yours to carry? It may not kill you, but it can bring you down. It can weigh you down. What burdens are you carrying tonight that Jesus would say, I didn't give you that to carry. You don't have to carry that. What did Jesus say? The burden that I give you is light. Learn from me. My yoke is easy. The burden that I give you is light. So um, in a little while, I'm going to give you a chance to respond and uh, by coming down the front, and um, I'm not going to get you. I'm not going to get anyone to pray over you. 
um, individually or anything tonight. We're just going to have the music up in a little while, not yet, and we just sing through that song, Just One Touch, um, and just come forward like it's a mosh pit, just all, all squished down the front, all around the sides. Um, and if you've never responded before or you think, oh, that's not really for me, then tonight would be a great chance to give it a go if you've ever wanted to because no one's going to be speaking to you or anything. It's just a chance for you to take that physical step that echoes the spiritual response that you want to make. Um, so if you've never come forward before or if you're new to church, if you're a leader in the church, if you are not even a Christian and you feel to come forward um, then we'll have a chance to do that soon. So I said that there were two things that can be barriers to preventing us from taking the next step. So the first is when we carry burdens that are not yours to carry. When we're taking on so much, when we're filling our lives and our arms up with stuff that God has never even asked us to, that we can't be free to take that next step. So the second thing is when we withdraw now, over the past two weeks, I reckon I've had about 10 people talk to me about this very thing, about, and honestly, I've done it too, when things get too much, that we withdraw, that we isolate ourselves, that we go away from everyone else, uh, withdraw into ourselves. Let me give you a little example. When I was 19, I was on a ministry team, and... I was really spent. I was just really physically and emotionally tired at one point. Now, everyone on the ministry team had birthdays at some point during the year. Mine's at the end of the year, so I had an unbirthday. So on this day, they had planned me a surprise unbirthday. Normally, that would be my favourite thing. But they made, they made out like they were being mean to me in the morning. I guess that would be so that it was more surprising in the afternoon, I don't know. But being an unbirthday, I didn't need that part in the morning. Anyway, that was enough, being a bit mean to me, being a bit gruff, to tip me over the edge. And I left, I, I left our work, our retreat, and I went back to home, which was a stranger's house where I was being billeted, and I got into bed at lunchtime. I went, no, that's it, I'm going to bed. And my team leader came in and she's thinking, I don't know what to do with this person hiding under the blankets. And I'm like, stuff off. <laughs> I'm hiding under the blankets. And time went on. I had a nap and she's still trying to wake me up and get out because they had all these activities planned for my surprise on birthday. I missed it all because I just stayed in bed. And eventually she tricked me to get me out of bed that evening. Um, and they had a surprise and I was like, oh, whoopee for the big surprise gang. But I, I was a bit gracious, but that's how I felt. And that's, a, that's a, you know, a slice of time, a clear example of withdrawing that we might do on a more subtle and deeper and larger scale. Do you know what I mean by withdrawing? Oh, we, we can see it with people in the Bible. And um, I know it's not just me. But what I do know is a common response when we get so hurt or offended or afraid or worn out or something that we just withdraw. And when we do that, when we withdraw, we can't take that next step that Jesus is asking us because we're running in the wrong direction. So Bethany and the music, if you come up, please.
But I really believe that, that that feeling that we have of wanting to withdraw, maybe you turn your phones off, you stop looking at Facebook, you don't go to church, you don't go to people's houses, you stop talking to your friends, or maybe you talk to those friends who are a poor influence on you, who you know will kind of give you permission for going off the rails. I actually believe that that is a God-given response that was meant for our emotional health and our spiritual health. But it's been tainted by fear. It's been corrupted. But that first impulse that we have to withdraw is a God-given response because Jesus wants us to withdraw with Him. Sorry, can I have that again? In Mark... Chapter 6, verse 31, Jesus says to His disciples, Let's go off by ourselves to a quiet place and rest a while. At the time, the disciples are just busy, busy, busy every day. He says, "Um, there's so many people coming and going that the disciples didn't even have time to eat and drink. And Jesus says to them, let's go off by ourselves just Jesus and them, to a quiet place, to a secret place, to a private place, a lonely, secluded place, and rest a while. That God-given response that's been corrupted by fear or hurt to withdraw, to run away, Jesus is saying tonight, if you experience that, don't just run away, run to him. Don't just withdraw by yourself, withdraw with Him. As I was reading this verse over this week, I kept crying. I just kept crying as I read it. And I know that Jesus wants to say it to people tonight, that there's people here tonight who experience that just we feel so, I don't know, busy or hurt or stretched or worn out and we we don't even have time to eat spiritually ourselves. Jesus says, withdraw with Him to that lonely place. Jesus is the lifter of our heads, the comfort of our souls, our comforter. Withdraw with Him. If you have that habit of withdrawing, then I believe this is for you. I believe Jesus wants to say this to you, that don't go off by yourself. Go off with Jesus. Follow that voice that's telling you to escape to escape to Jesus and let Him minister to you. So it doesn't matter who you are today. If you are a visitor, if you are new to church, if you um, are a leader, if you've not a Christian, if you've been a Christian for a million years, it doesn't matter who you are today. I really know that God wants to speak to us. Can I just get you to stand? Just stand where you are. If there's anything that's been relevant to you tonight, I'm just going to give you a chance to respond to that. So whether you've been feeling worn out, just close your eyes if you like. If you feel, feel like you're worn out, if you've been carrying burdens and the Holy Spirit is saying to you tonight that this is not what I wanted you to carry. You don't have to carry all of this. If you feel like 
that word is for you to withdraw, to let Jesus minister to you, then as we sing through this first song, then please just come forward. No one's going to come up to you and talk with you or anything. You can just start coming forward now. Just squish on up the front and, and let that be a physical response to the response you're making in your heart that you want Jesus to minister to you. Just let God refresh you. I know God is so good. He wants to speak with us. He can speak to you right there where you are in your chair. Just open your heart to Him now. We sang that song, I believe. I believe in Jesus. I believe Jesus is a lie. I believe every word that Jesus said. And I don't know much else, but I know that Jesus invites us to follow Him. So when you feel overwhelmed, when you feel burdened, when you feel worn out, when you feel stretched, when you feel like running away, just withdraw with Jesus. Take that time now and just let the Holy Spirit speak to your heart now. We're going to sing just one touch. Just let those burdens fall from your shoulders. Just let the Holy Spirit speak with you tonight. Just one.